This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's curd and long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Welcome in another edition of Curd and Long. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer along with our guy, Chad Ryder of NFL.com. Thank you for uh, joining us here. Ryan Horvath is off. Uh, he was having some uh, issues with his car, so forth. Uh, big long story. But if you know Horvath, you know he has a dark cloud that follows over him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is uh, it's, it's kind of sad. I'll be honest. It's kind of sad. He bums me out a little bit. He's always got stuff going wrong in his life. Uh, it drives me nuts. Uh, he is uh, Chad Ryder. He is a ray of sunshine. Follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ryder. And uh, we will get into some draft conversation uh, like always with Chad. But before we do that, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this Packer Vikings game uh, and confident, concerned, and curious like we always do. But before we do that, I want to talk about the two quarterbacks uh, in this game. Uh, Chad, haven't really talked to you that much during the season. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Jordan Love and what you've seen so far this season and uh, his young surrounding cast that he's been working with. Yeah, it's about what I've expected. I mean, he's Jordan has grown over the course of the year with the experience. Um, you need at least 16 to 20 starts before you can really judge a guy. And so he's you know, getting there and, and we'll see, um, you know, how next year goes for him. But I think, I think he's, he's done what he's needed to do. I don't think he was given a uh, four aces in terms of his surrounding cast, just because of the lack of experience. And, you know, those guys have grown a little bit when they've been healthy. Um, so overall, I think he's done all right. Um, I think issues on the other side of the ball has, has really cost him more wins than, than he's, you know, he's gotten more losses than he deserves. So overall, just fine. Um, he's got the talent. He'll grow with the group around him. And um, I think I think they'll give him another shot next year to see what he can do. There's a lot of talk of Luke Musgrave uh, coming out of the draft and him being a difference maker at tight end. And I think Tucker Kraft got pigeonholed uh, by fans and analysts of being, well, that blocking tight end, you know, yeah. that'll get you a few yards here or there. And, and now people have seen Tucker Kraft these last few weeks uh, and I think people are taken aback by just how good he really is. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on Kraft, uh, I guess, coming out of school versus where he was drafted and so forth? Well, I thought he could have been a second-round pick. I think he's a good receiver. I mean, he's he's sort of that Mark Andrews guy that's not a super athlete when he was coming out, a uh, bigger body guy, but he's a reliable guy. He's a reliable receiver, 
And I think he will be a resolute presence over the next few years for the team. And, and I think he, he, he'll be better than what people expected. Am I crazy to say this whole Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, Patriots dual tight end thing was dangerous and hard to guard. Uh, and now you look at Musgrave oh. and Kraft. I mean, I, I don't know of another dual tight end team uh, that have these two type of players uh, at the tight end position, maybe since the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I think they, that is what they hope it becomes, a two tight end kind of system, because both of them can block on the move as well as in line. And again, when they pick them, that's what they were going for. And again, I thought Kraft could have been picked earlier than he was. So I, I think that's a legitimate um, thought process uh, on what, even, heck, even even the Lions, when they have Laporta and Brock Wright and guys like that, they make that work too. So I, I yep. think I think that's a legitimate um thought process for what this team could get their defense or their offense could, could go around in the future. And that look, when you've got a young guy like love running it, you need reliable safety nets at tight end and the slot receiver that you don't have to go deep all the time. What about the wide receiving uh, core uh, as far as Christian Watson, I think coming into the season was supposed to be that number one guy. Um, and then obviously he can't stay healthy yet again this year. And I've seen some fans going, ah, maybe Wicks uh, can be that one guy. Other fans go, well, yeah, Jaden Reed isn't a gigantic human being necessarily, but maybe he's more uh, along those lines of being a true number one wide receiver for this team. How do you look at this wide receiving core? And having said that, do you think there's a chance where they go wide receiver early again this year? Uh, no, I, I what I think is they have a bunch of guys who are – um, a, a bunch of one B's and two A's um, that are a core, a true receiving core when they're healthy. Um, and they don't have a true one A. And, and I think my guess is that they're not going to draft that early in this, in this draft. I don't know that the, that guy will be there for them anyway, early. And if they could use their cap, if they have the cap space to go get a veteran, that's a legitimate guy or a trade, then they would have to do that. But my guess is that the, they'll, they'll let the guys that they have grow into a really strong core. And um, you can get big plays out of Watson. You could get some big plays out of Wicks and Reed, and you don't need, you know, that big number one guy, unless you can get a veteran for a good price through trade. So that's my guess on how they'll do it. And I think they could be just fine with the guys they have and adding a veteran of some sort, even if it's not a 1A guy. Uh, and I think they can, the, the offense will be just fine if they can keep the guys that they have healthy. Talk with Chad Ryder of NFL.com, draft analyst uh, over there. Uh, all right, let's get into Packers-Vikings. Confident, concerned, and curious. Chad, what are you confident about in this Packers team as they head into Sunday night football, New Year's Eve night against the Vikings? Yeah, not much, honestly. Um, I have some confidence in a lot of things, but not a lot of confidence in anything. But I think Jaden Reed's going to score a touchdown. That's that's the one thing. Like That's the thing that they can do against the Vikings defense. They can score. Jaden Reed's going to score a touchdown for them. And everything else is sort of, uh, the Vikings are pretty good against running backs, so I'm not sure if Aaron Jones is going to go off. Um, tight ends. They did a great job on Sam Laporta last week. Um, so not, so I, I almost went with Tucker craft scoring this week, but Vikings did pretty well. Jasmine tell us against craft might be a difficult call. So I think Jaden Reed will, uh, 
get his 100 yards. He will get a touchdown. And it's just a matter of what else they can muster around him against the Vikings defense. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's going to be fun because this is another opportunity to where you have Jordan Love seeing a a team for a second time, right? And every time we get Jordan Love against a team for a second time, I feel a lot better about the situation. I feel a lot better about Matt LaFleur getting to coach against uh, the same defense a second time with this group of personnel that he has. You know, when you face guys for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time and you've got, you know, Cobb and Lazard and Rodgers, it's not that big of a deal. But when you're playing with all these young guys who maybe you didn't know nearly as well in the beginning of the year, uh, like you know now, guys like Bo Melton all of a sudden are playing for this team and so forth. Yeah, uh, I, I feel pretty good going into this game as far as that this offense is going to be able to score some points against the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, seeing what they did against Detroit last week, um, I think they played very well for a while, and then Detroit is just a better team, so they came back. And I think Green Bay may be a better team, but I'm not as confident as that as I would have been with the Lions making that comeback last week. So I think it'll be a tight game. Uh, I think I think both teams are very similar, but in terms of like one thing that's going to really stand out and that I'm confident is going to happen, there's not not a lot. I think it's going to be a tough game. And um, but I think Jaden Reed has proven himself. You work him inside, you work him outside uh, against a Vikings defense that will give up some you know points against receivers. So that that's the one thing I think is going to happen for sure in this game. All right. So what about concerns then? Uh, heading into this game uh, against the Vikings. Again, no Jair Alexander in this game. You've got uh, a new lead running back in Minnesota with Ty Chandler, who's come onto the scene here these last couple of weeks. The Packers' uh, inability to stop the run uh, is always a thing, too. Uh, What are you concerned about this week? Maybe there's multiple things you're concerned about. Well, I think if we had an hour podcast, I could could get through (laughs) them all. But but I I think the the main thing is the Jefferson uh, Justin Jefferson factor. Um, without Alexander in the game last year, he went off, you know, early in the season against the Packers. And then he had one catch for 15 yards in the, in the late game, you know, the January 1st game last year, I think we're going to see a lot more than one catch for 15 yards in this game. Um, Packers secondary has not been good. The other thing I could have said I'm confident about is that Packer fans will not be clamoring for a Joe Barry contract extension after yeah. this game. Uh, so that is the other thing I'm confident. In. But I, but I think Justin Jefferson's going to score a lot of points, or he's going to make a lot of catches. They just have to keep him out of the end zone. Okay, so he's going to get eight catches for 140 yards or something like that. He's going to score once, but you can't let him go off for two or three touchdowns. And I think that's that's the thing that's concerning about this game. A good, a good receiver like that without Alexander with some good corners, guys that can make some plays, but not great corners and not pass rush hasn't been exceptional. So that's, that's the thing I'm most concerned about in this game. 
I'm concerned about uh, this Vikings running game because I think what's yeah. going to happen, and maybe I'm wrong, but they're going to put all kinds of extra attention on Jefferson with a safety corner, and they're going to try and take him out of the game as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, while focusing all of that, then th- they may lose track of this running game. And, you know, if Ty Chandler runs for a buck 25, a buck 30, I don't think the Packers can win this football game yeah. uh, if he's running the football uh, and you're also having issues with Justin Jefferson at the same time. I think. Jefferson has a big game, but you control the run and make them more one-dimensional. I think you got a better chance of success versus if both of them get off the ground and running at the same time, Chad. Well, I'm also concerned about the run, but when we get into the next category, I'll yes. get into that because I'm I'm cu- very curious about one aspect of their run game that the Packers have had trouble with that could be an issue this this weekend. That would be the quarterback hall, uh, the fifth round pick out of BYU. I'm also curious about this as far as what he looks like. Look, he's had a handful of snaps. He hasn't had a full game. He hasn't had a a legitimate start yet at this point. So uh, if we had a better defensive coordinator, I'd feel confident that we could confuse him a little bit, show him stuff he hasn't seen. Uh, and, and real, but that's not what's going to happen. Our defense believes in allowing the quarterback to play pitch and catch down the field. So from that aspect, you know, it'll be like a seven on seven drill for him. Uh, but well, as you as you pointed out, the ability for him to get out and run yeah, has yeah. Pre- provided big issues for the Packers. Yeah, and look, he came in and he got hurt the one start he had, and I think he was like five for six for seventy. I mean, he he was playing well before he got hurt, and I think he's an efficient thrower. Um, and I liked him coming out of BYU. I thought it was a great pick for them in the fifth round. Honestly, um, in terms of whether he's going to be a career backup or starter. We're not sure about that, but he's going to play in the league for a while because he does have that dual threat. And if the Packers play man defense against him, he is going to look at one target. He might look at two targets and then he's taken off. And if everybody's got his back to him, he can run for 40, 50, 60 yards in this game if they're not careful. So um, I think he's he's going to make some throws to Jefferson and Jefferson, as long as they're in his area code, he's going to make them. And I think he's going to run for 40 or 50 yards potentially in this game. Again, it just comes down to whether you keep them out of the end zone or not at the end of the game. And um, and so that what Hall does is the most curious. And by the way, if he's not playing well, they're probably going to bring in uh, Dobbs if he's healthy and he will run against the Packers too. Um, so either if either of those guys are in there, they could really they could make the Packers uh, really hurt. And especially if, if Slayton is hurt and is not playing well in the middle of the defense, you know, that that's what I'm very curious about to see what's going to happen. I'm curious to see how many points the Packers are going to need to score to win this game. I mean, it took them 33 against an absolute craptastic Carolina Panthers offense yeah. um, to beat them. I mean, the Vikings could throw up 40 against this Packers defense if they get going in this game. Yeah. I think I think the Packers can hold them down again. They just got to keep them out of the end zone. Like Greg Joseph could have two, three field goals today. That's fine. Um, and, and and that that that's the only way they win is if they if they keep them out of the end zone. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. All right, let's move on to topic number two. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the draft, where the Packers are currently there in the first round, and and some players that may make sense to this Packers team uh, looking ahead to the draft as we are in bowl season. So college football season is pretty much done, and Chad's got a good beat on what's going on right now. So we'll do that coming up next after a brief timeout. Don't forget, download Curtin Long on your Odyssey app or every download your favorite podcast at streaming on the YouTube page for Odyssey Sports. Like, subscribe, ring that bell for notifications, all that fun stuff they tell you to do on these other podcasts. I try to do the same thing. Back after this. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's the Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, The Fan, along with Chad Ryder of NFL.com, draft analyst. Follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ryder. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvath off today. He'll be back next week as we talk about Packers, Vikings, Sunday night football there in the first segment. Confident, concerned, and curious. Coming up uh, in the next segment, the last segment of the show, we will get into our predictions. But right now, let's talk about the NFL draft. That is Chad's specialty, after all. Uh, and talk about this Packers football team uh, going in. I-, I will say that for majority of the year, I was at the they better draft a tackle in the first round. I'm still at they better draft a tackle in the first round. But cornerback now has uh, become a need uh, that has kind of risen up the charts for me uh, as we go further through this season. Obviously safety, but I don't want a safety in the first round. Uh, Chad, your thoughts on where they sit in the first round and what might be around that area? Well, I'm guessing that if they can get at least one win out of the next two weeks, they're really going to be kind of in the middle of the first round. Sure. Which, which means they probably won't be in a great position to get one of the elite tackles in the draft. Uh, Fashanu from Penn state, Joe Walt from uh, Notre Dame. So then you're looking at guys like uh, Talise Fuaga from, from Oregon state, who's probably a right tackle only. And he's going to be picked probably in the middle of the first round somewhere, but it's just a matter of whether the Packers would want to move Zach Tom maybe over to left tackle where he played at uh, in, in Wake Forest and he could potentially take that spot. So that's a possibility. Uh, but we know how the Packers love to draft defense in the first round, right? We know that. So the surprise pick that I'm saying now at the end of December is Tavondre Sweat. Nose tackle from Texas in the middle of the what? first round. I'm telling Why? you, if you're looking for a surprise pick, that's it. And the reason why I say that is because their run defense has not been good. And they are could potentially lose Kenny Clark. He's coming into a contract year. Um, so if that's a pick that, again, surprise pick, something to file away, they could really use a big guy like that. And if he comes out at the combine and works out anywhere close to what Jordan Davis did coming out of Georgia, he's going to be in that mid round first round area. And um, so don't, that's the surprise pick that, that I think, I think could happen that, that people aren't talking about right now. A nose tackle that is going to do absolutely nothing for me. I mean, that's great. If that ends up being the pick fine. What about cornerback? Because there are some cornerbacks that'll probably be around that that mid first round area. Yeah, you're looking at like a Nate Wiggins, maybe out of Clemson, yep. real athletic guy. Um, he's going to be similar to Eric Stokes in terms of he's more of an athlete, 
than, you know, an overall physical football player, which may not sit well with some people. Um, Kamari Lassiter from Georgia is a guy that we're not sure if he's going to come out yet, but he's really kind of that physical guy that I like in the first round that, that I'm not sure is going to, We'll see what happens with Georgia and whether guys are going to all come back to try to run it again next year or not. But he's another guy. Um, Kool-Aid McKinstry, depending on how high, a guy from Alabama is like a true cover guy. Again, if the Packers end up in the middle of the first round, they may not be able to land him. So it's really going to depend on what's going to happen in the in that middle of the first round in terms of what's available for corners. But there, there's going to be a little more value. Denzel Burke from Ohio State, if he decides to come out. So there's a little more um, opportunity there for a solid guy if they decide to go that way. Packers multiple twos, Packers multiple threes. Where are where is the strength or strengths of this draft where they can really get some good value in the second and third round? Even though we all know that Goody hasn't been great in the third round. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to you look at the secondary, right? I mean, that's like we've already talked about. Safety. You can get a safety, you can get a corner if they don't get it. And that's why I'm looking at other positions potentially in the first round because you might be able to get a pretty solid corner in the second round. DJ James from Auburn, for example, in the third round. You know, Kyrie Jackson from Oregon, a lot of people aren't talking about him. Former Alabama guy, he could be a third-round pick that's got the size that you really want at that outside corner. So he might not be the fastest guy, but I think in the third He's one of those guys. And then there's a bunch of safeties you can look at. Tyler Newbin from, from Minnesota. Look, the Packers could have taken Brian Branch last year, and they didn't. Yep. And, and I didn't understand it at the time. I still don't. But, you know, you're going to find some value in you know corner like that, like guy like Newbin, for example, in the middle. Um, Bo Braid from, uh, from Maryland is another guy that, that can, that can kind of cover and, and is a physical player um, in that second, third round area. So you're really looking at the secondary and then the offensive line. Obviously, you got to do something about the offensive line. This is, is a solid tackle group this year. So if you can't find one in the first, you're going to be able to find one in the second. And really in the middle of the draft, you got to get an guard center or something yes. in the middle. You have to find that in the middle of this draft somewhere. They've taken some shots at it. It hasn't worked. But again, Zach Tom is kind of a he's an interesting guy because you can put him at center and he has experience at left tackle and he's done right at well right tackle. So you can kind of see what you get in this draft and move him around appropriately. Elgin Jenkins, the same situation where you can move him around a little bit too. So um, you're probably going to be looking that direction on day two. What about the running back position? Cause this is a position I think is a big question mark for the Packers, yeah. right? What do they do with Jones contract? Um, what's he willing to play for? Does he want to stay? I think he does. Yeah. Uh, AJ Dillon, I think first half of the season where he's like, he's done, he's gone. He's not coming back. Uh, then yeah. he had a burst, had a good few games. Um, last week, I don't think it was all that great necessarily. Right. Uh, but as far as running back go, I would think this has to be a position addressed in this draft yeah. at some point too. For sure. In the middle of the draft, I think you have to take a guy um, that, that you like. Uh, if they decide not to bring back A.J. Dillon, which I would understand. I didn't like the pick in the second round when it happened regardless. But right. You know, you, you're looking at a guy, you can find a really good back in the middle rounds this year. A guy who's playing today with Kentucky, Ray Davis, in the middle of this, in the middle of you know, third, fourth round. Um, Audric Estime from, from Notre Dame is actually pretty similar to A.J. Dillon. So he's a guy I could see them. And, and Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin, another yep. guy that if you want that power back in third, fourth round, he's, you know, he could be there for you. So I think. I think early on day two, late on day one would be that spot if there's a really good value for running back. But I don't, 
unless Dylan takes a really friendly contract, because um, like you said, Aaron Jones are going to have to do something about that contract, and I think they will. I think they'll work that out. But um, I don't see Dylan returning unless he takes a very, very good deal. And then if he returns, then obviously they're going to look more later in the draft. And Emmanuel Wilson, hopefully he'll go the today. I, I'm really – I want to see – he's another guy I was curious about to see. If he's going to play today and how does he look? Because, you know, you're taking running backs in the second, third round. You can get these guys as free agents that are pretty good. And yeah. you know, he, he's going to be real – he's going to be – I hope he can play and I hope he he contributes because he's – he was – I liked – I really liked him out of Fort Valley State so last year. So I, I'll be really curious about him too. Here's Chad Ryder, NFL.com draft analyst. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer with you. Uh, what One other thing here before we get to our predictions in the next segment. Uh, the RAS score, the RAS uh, score, the athletic score, uh, they are very attached to uh, high numbers for their players that they take in the draft. When you're doing your mock drafts, you know, you do your first mock draft and you do a couple rounds and you eventually get to your seven-round mock draft. Do you take those numbers into effect when you put together your mock drafts for the Packers? Uh I mean, when I, I do the, you know, the seven round mock draft for everybody. Um, right. And that's part of the equation. There's a lot of, there's um, uh, RAS score and, you know, obviously combine results are the base of that. And the, and the pro day results are based on that. Those are correlated to how good a guy really is in the, in the grand scheme of things. Right. It's really, it's really, you're not going to pick a guy with a high RAS score. That's a fifth round football player in the second round. You just, you're not going to do that, but it is a nice tiebreaker in terms of guys that are kind of in that. Well, is he worth a late second or early third or late third? So you're kind of in that as a, as a tiebreaker, I will look at those numbers to make sure. But in the end, if the guy's not a solid football player or a guy who's really worth it on film as a T2 guy, I'm not going to move a guy up because of his risk score. It's really what you see on the field is a result of the athleticism that they show on, on testing. And if you test great and he's not playing well, then there's something off and you really have to watch it, what, see what that is. So those are guys you pick later on day three to see if they become something. The Donald driver who could jump out of the drill, you know, wasn't the greatest receiver ever. jumps out of the, out of the gym. You take a chance on him in the seventh round, see if you can become something. But overall it's a tiebreaker. It's something you look at, but it's just one factor in the process. Follow Chad on uh, Twitter at Chad underscore writer, R-E-U-T-E-R. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Take a quick time out. Come back. We'll make our predictions. Packers, Vikings, Sunday night football. Must win for both teams if they want to be playoff bound here uh, in 2023, heading into 2024. We'll do that next. Hey, it's C Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM of the fan. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. He is Chad Ryder filling in for Ryan Horvath today of NFL.com. Uh, he covers the uh, NFL draft senior uh, analyst over there. Uh, and it's time now to make our predictions for this game coming up on Sunday night football. Uh, Chad, I think I'll, I feel comfortable in letting you go first uh, in this one. Because, uh, again, it's in Minneapolis. Um that's a great field. I think it's one of the best fields in the National Football League. They did a great job with it, regardless if you like the Vikings or not. Uh, you have to figure there will be a bunch of Packer fans there kind of balancing this out as far as uh, Packers to Viking fan ratio. So it might be closer to a split, uh, which would be good for Packer fans. And the Packers, if that were to be the case. Uh, and really, I don't know if it's a foul. Well, it might be. And that probably is the most pressurized game that Jordan Love has been into this point as far as uh, a little yeah. bit more of the weight of the world on him coming into this game, knowing how crappy his defense and special teams are at this point. 
I know they have to win. So that's going to be another angle to this uh, as far as how does Jordan Love handle this pressure for the first time in his career? Yeah, I think. And the problem is, is that the Vikings run defense is actually pretty good. So you can't rely, you know, you'll have to, if you, if you give those, if you give Dill, if you give Jones or Dillard, whoever's on the field, Wilson on the field, if you give them 20 carries, they might only get 60, 65 yards and, and it's, it's going to be rough. And so it is going to fall on love a little bit more um, and not having hard or not having Musgrave and not having Watson and all these guys that aren't in, it's going to be really difficult on them. Um, he might have to run for 30 or 40 yards in this game. I'll be very interested to see if they finally kind of break out more of those bootlegs, more of the called quarterback runs in this game to really let him get the feel of this game. So um, my prediction, I look, the Vikings are not good. They're, they're not good. The Packers are only slightly better, I think. And I think it's going to come down to a, a field goal battle. And, and I think it's going to be, like a 26 to 23 Packers victory, something like that, where it's just a bunch of field goals. Greg Joseph, the Vikings field goal kicker, has not made a field goal longer than 40 yards since like mid-October. Hey, by and, the way, how about Mason Crosby, people? How about uh, Mason Crosby from 52, his first field goal <laughs> for the Giants? Wow, that was yeah, awesome. I was so, so happy for him. It, the MVP of this game is going to be Carlson. I think if, if they oh win this God. game, he's going to be the, the MVP of this game because he's going to make it work and he's going to make enough. He might miss one, but he's going to make enough for them to pull out the victory. He scares me every time he I comes know. out there, even I for know. extra points. I was like, well, we'll see yeah. if he makes it. I, I just, I have literally no faith in this dude. I should have more faith than I do because he hasn't missed as many as I probably have made out in my brain this year. He's actually well, look when you let Crosby go, you, you expect that if they're going to let Crosby go, this guy's going to make a hundred percent of everything. Right. Cause you, yeah. that's what you think is going to happen, but it's not, it's, that's not the, the fact of the matter. I think he gets it indoors. I think he makes it work. It's just going to be, it's going to be fun to see the Vikings. If they could lose to Daniel Carlson's brother in the last game of the year, I, that's just a great storyline. I hope it happens. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I, that where I'm at. I uh I, I think the Vikings are gonna score forty. Um and I think the Packers lose this game like forty to thirty-three or yeah. something absolutely insane like that. It ends up becoming some type of track meet. Packers, you know, tie the score at thirty-three or something like that, and Hall leads him down the field and uh they end up getting a touchdown and Hall ends up with like a thirty yard run somewhere on that drive to set up the touchdown and yeah. Uh, heartbreak uh, exists. And then Matt LaFleur goes up and says, Joe Barry, you know, we got to score more points. You know, we got to score more points because yeah. uh -huh. that crap last week, as far yeah. as, Oh, well, you know, we just got to do a better job of, you know, not going one, two, three out. We got to score more points for our defense at times like that. It's like, man, your loyalty is unbelievable. I mean, it is, it's, it's crazy. And I, I brought this up on an earlier podcast. You know, Mike McDaniel's in this league because of Matt LaFleur. The dude was out of the league, and Matt LaFleur was the one that stomped to get him onto a coaching staff yeah. and got him hired back into the NFL. One for Matt LaFleur, who knows where Mike McDaniel will be coaching right now? I mean, well, Matt LaFleur's loyalty is, is unquestioned. It is, and that's why you have a strong GM, or that's why you have a team owner. When they didn't fire Barry after the Tampa Bay game, I wanted to say, tell me a team doesn't have an owner without telling me a team doesn't have an owner. Yep. Because if there was an owner, if there was a Jerry Jones or Spanos or somebody in charge of this team, 
Barry would have been gone immediately after the Tampa Bay game. If not, maybe last year, honestly. Um, but that's not how the organization works. And Lafleur is taking it on, and that's his decision to do so until somebody tells him it's not. So is there a, that's, that's is the problem. Is there a, a guy out there that you would like to see in Green Bay's defensive coordinator next year, providing they actually fire Joe Barry? Because, I mean, again, Jim Leonard was interviewed the last time. Yeah. He's sitting out there right now. He's not doing anything. Uh, the Badger guy. I'll tell you, I like Minter at Michigan. I, I would yeah. love that. He's a younger guy. Uh, put him on that staff uh, and let him figure it out and, and go from there. I, I think that would be the guy I would kind of like. Uh, I know there's people that like Zimmer, the old Vikings head coach yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I can't see LaFleur going down a bitter, no. crotchety old guy route to be defensive coordinator. I, I don't see it. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if Mark Murphy has anything to say about that hire or not. I mean, is he a figurehead president? Is he or is he going to get involved in this decision? And Gutekunst as well. I mean, I, I really think it's going to be interesting. But you're right. I think a younger guy. Um, I think Jimmy Leonard is the the one most people would love to see. I think yep. he he's worked with some great people. I think he's he's got so much experience. He's been in the league. He gets it. Um, I, I think that would be the hire that most people would like to see. But I don't study enough defensive coordinators to really you know put out a, a unknown name or anything like that. Let me go. Point. Let me come at you with this. Do you think they're best suited by staying in the three, four defense going forward based think, on personnel and what they have? I think, I think most teams in the league are multiple fronts anyway, right now. And so I think you want somebody who wants to take advantage of that, that wants to show as many possible looks as possible in their defense to throw teams off. And that there's a reason why teams are doing that is that you don't want to just be able to see I don't know if Preston Smith's going to be on this team next year or not. I mean, that's that's a that's a big issue. Um, but if they go to a more multiple fronts, put his hand on the ground, put yep. Sean Gary's hand on the ground sometimes, and let them get after the quarterback more and not worry about being in space as much. Van Ness um, could put his hand on the ground too. Yeah, exactly. Another and, big and guy. Honestly, I think Van Ness should put his hand on the ground when they have a three-man line more often. I think him as a five technique is – kind of where I thought he would go anyway. But I think you could – the point is all these guys are athletic enough where you can move them around and do different things with them. And I think that's what their next guy is probably going to do because that's really the way it, the league is. The league is positionless in a lot of ways now, and, and I think it's going to go more in that direction in the future. He is Chad Ryder. He's the best. He's my guy. He is following him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ryder, NFL.com and uh, college bowl season upon us before you know if the combine will be here. Pro day will be here. We're getting into the really, really busy time of the year for Chad Ryder. All-star games on NFL yes. network, you know, yes. we're getting there, buddy. You got to give you real super busy. You'll never, you will not see Chad anywhere close to anything other than maybe NFL network TV. And that'll be about the extent of it. Chad, thank you so much for coming on my friend. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Sparky. Appreciate the invite.